Hello and a very warm welcome to Fabulous Flowers TV podcast 14. Brought to you, as always, by us, the Fabulous Flowers duo, my good self, Lucy Nolan, and his very good self, Paulie Hawkins. Hello there, Paulie. Hi there, Lucy. How are you today? Yes, I'm very good, actually. And can I say, lovely to have you back on track with your sound today. I know we had a bit of a, a pickly problem in Sunflowers, didn't we? And we've got that all sorted. I know. I, I literally feel like I've won the pools. It's that kind of hallelujah, marvellous, uh, in the highest sort of situation. I'm very, very pleased. <laughs> I know. I agree. And it was a, it was an absolute bore, wasn't it? Because you and I, I think it would be fair to say, are not the most technically minded people in the world. Um, however, we've managed to get this far and we didn't want to um, to give our Fabulous Flowers TV listeners anything other than the best vocal experience. So I think well done us, Paul, is what I'm saying. Yes, crisp and delicious. And mm -hmm. how's your day going, Lucy Lou? It's going very well, actually. Very well indeed. Looking forward to getting ready to go on a little jaunt, actually go on a summer jaunt. Pulled that one out of the bag, lastminute.com, but it wasn't actually lastminute.com. Um <laughs> But we are actually popping over to Ireland where my I have a lot of family over there. Um, we have a family house over there. So we share these. So my little slot, two weeks, glad you asked, um, is uh, is coming up. So I'm going to pop myself over there and sit in Kerry, the county of Kerry, which is the kingdom of Ireland, and um, and just look at the sea and go to the beach and just have a different view. How well, about you? I'm really going off you Lucy I mean I know that you I've been there and stayed with you there and it's just amazing it's sort of it's sort of you feel that sort of it's just well that I don't know it's just amazing yes we should give a little shout out actually shouldn't we for all our, our Kerry girlfriends and, and fab friends over there so um, hello Sandra if you're if you're listening yes. to this podcast yes. yes yes and that lovely pub there your listeners there's a pub there called the blind piper and there's been many an evening there that um that we can't remember <laughs> Yes, thanks for that, Paulie. Right, so let's let's moving on now away from our social situations, <laughs> yes, back yes, into yes. floral situations. Absolutely. Um, mm, so this week you're going to be waxing lyrical and sharing all things florally fantastic on a very memorable bloom, aren't you, Paulie? Yes, this week, Lucy, I'm featuring one of the most eligible flowers. I like that eligible in our borders and beds. It's it's wonderful and it's incredibly diverse. It is the dahlia. Oh, I bet there's a, there's going to be a ripple through the Fabulous Flowers TV listeners there. <laughs> Most definitely. I mean, it, this incredible star performer, it's bushy, it's tuberous, and it's just the most wonderful herbaceous perennial. And it's, um, actually, you might not know this, but it's, it's native to Mexico and Central America. Gosh. Mm. I know. And they're, they're all members of the, here we go, Asteraceae. Nice. The Asteraceae family. Um, and its garden rec re relatives, um, they include the sunflower, the daisy, the chrysanthemum, and the very beautiful zinnia. I'm a huge zinnia fan. Love that. There are 42 species of dahlia, which is amazing. Mm. Um, and the, the, the flower forms are sort of very variable. Um, they have one head per stem. These can be as small as five centimetres, two inches in old money. Um, in the diameter, and then you've got the thirty centimeter ones. Wow, that's a school. That's a school ruler right there, isn't it? Thirty centimeters. Exactly dates you there, Lucy. Um, hmm. Yeah, and they are the size of a dinner plate. They're called the dinner plate ones. Um, hmm. Amazing. 
and this great variety results from dahlias being octoploids. Oh, I just love, I just love octoploids. I love it. that <laughs> is they own they have they have eight sets of <laughs> modulus. Homodulous. Honestly, yes. these words, eight sets of homodulous chromosomes, if you don't mind. Gosh, Whereas most so, plants, yeah, most um, plants only have two. Uh, so they like are the, quite um, talented. Mm, like the octopus of the flower family. Yes, yes, yes. And I wonder, I mean, I mean, are, they are incredible. But, uh, but more importantly, uh, uh, aesthetically, you know, they're splashy and funky and just insanely fabulous. And um, you know, they are quite the bloom de jour, Lou. They really are. Um, but that's not always been the case. For years and years, they were in the kind of in the floral wilderness, along with things like gladioli. Um, they were just considered naff and a bit garish and, and those tasteful noughties, mm -hmm. like in the tasteful noughties, when flowers had to be sort of professionally tasteful, as I say. When I say professionally, you know, whites and greens and very yeah. kind of, you know, um, muted and sort of stylish and um they were they were the only way it seemed but um people thought that they were just a bit dated and a bit grannyish and they just didn't have a good press really um but in the last few years there's been a huge dahlia renaissance both in floristry and gardening and, and it's just been the most massive flowery turnaround um so i mean the last few years the the, the star dahlia has been the cafe ole oh so is that brown? Um, yeah, it's kind of browny, dirty, pinky, peachy sort of colour. Oh, okay. Um, and it's cafe ole as in with milk, not ole as in Spanish. Oh, okay. Um, uh, cafe okay, ole. ole. Okay, oh, cafe ole. Cafe ole. And it was you know that that um, designer Chloe, that sort of soft, yes, peachy, yes, beautiful apricot, dare I say peach? Um, they've been all the rage for the last few years, and they're still very popular, but. Between you and me, I've seen so many of them recently that I'm slightly over them. Mm, uh, fair enough. That shade of that soft pink. I mean, it's very beautiful, but yes. it's kind of seen too much of it. And I just, for me, I like those mad, clashing British ones. They're, they're kind of insane. There's, you know, there are spiky ones and pom-pom ones, and um, and they're so easy to grow. Um, mm. Actually, I harvested my first massive ones in the garden yesterday, glad you asked. No, I saw that actually. You did pop a photo to me, slightly showy offy way there, Paulie, if you don't mind. <laughs> I know, a really mad spiky one, which I thought was going to be a pale pink, but just as well oh. it turned out to be. I know. Yeah, I want to say something to the nursery that, you know, those pink ones you saw, they've come out like hot orange, but it's always nice to have a surprise in the garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, um, but actually for, for garden inspiration, um, I say, listeners, you should pop over to Instagram and look up the Dahlia maestro, Charlie McCormick. Charlie McCormick, he is, he's based down in the West Country and his colours and dahlias are breathtaking. And mm. his Instagram, I think, if you just Google at Charlie McCormick, it's worth looking at because they're just mm -hmm. so inspiring. Um, but what I love about dahlias is they've got that instant retro vintage look. They've gone from deeply uncool to the complete must-have flower. I mean, that, they look great in one of those, when I say Constance Spry, you know, she's that old florist from the yes. 50s who was kind of very, very traditional and did really beautiful things. Do Google her, Constance Spry, listeners. Um, and she created these wonderful Fulham pottery vases and they're sort of cream. I'll, I'll pop a photograph up of, of one of them. Um, mm. They're sort of cream pottery and those full of um, 
of uh, dahlias look absolutely amazing. Very much that 50s look. Um, mm, lovely. But um, I mean, work-wise, I just love using them. And the year before last, I did a wedding down at a beautiful house called The Grange, which um, used to belong to, to the Bearing family, the banking family. And, uh, and that's, now it's just a big ruin. But you can use it for events and it's really amazing. And one of the daughters that got married there and um, it was just such a fun thing because it's an empty shell of a building. Um, it's where they had the marvellous Grange Opera, obviously not this year. Um, but anyway, back to the wedding there. They had long, long tables of, of mixy, matchy glass vases, absolutely crammed with funky British dahlias. And I mean, the impact was breathtaking when you entered the room. And it was such a lovely sight at the end, you know, as you know, they really parted hard and had a fabulous night. And the girls in their wedding outfits, you know, sort of um, carrying their shoes and big bunches of dahlias as they walked off with their, you know, their other halves in, in, um, in um, I want to say, not black tie. What are we wearing to a wedding? We're wearing a morning suit. A morning mm. suit. As these girls disappeared off into the night, you know, with bunches and bunches. So it was lovely yeah. that all the, all the guests were given dahlias to take away. And it was like a... A wonderful old 80s Tatler picture. Oh, how gorgeous. Yes, I can see it already in my mind's eye. That's a lovely image, Paulie. Slightly, you know, the sun rising and uh, Mm, that's wistful. And and as you know, Lucy, this this wonderful bride um, from said Dahlia Tale actually follows us on Fabulous Flowers TV on Instagram. And when I told her we were doing a podcast on Dahlias, she sent us this lovely message. We were so lucky to have Paulie at the floral helm of our wedding in October. Part of the reason of wanting an autumn wedding was because I knew there would be tons of dahlias around at that time of year. To me, they're the treat that come up at the end of the summer when all the summery flowers are gone and dahlias are the big final hurrah. They are so glorious and mad in their various shapes, sizes and colours. I love the tightly bound bauble ones and the massive flouncy dinner plate ones. The variety is what's best about them and Paulie did an amazing job of filling the tables with arrangements of different sizes and colours. Mm, that's lovely. Isn't that lovely of her? But back to the dahlia. It, it's quite stubborn as a cut flower and it's not a long laster. Um, as usual, you know, take all the leaves off, give it a good chop, lots of lovely, clean, clear, fresh water. But as we always say, bright but brief. But um, but I'm so excited we're heading towards late summer because that's when the British ones really come to the fore in their beautiful, garish loveliness. Can't we? Mm, yes. No, I love that. Sounds amazing, Paulie. I just I literally have this amazing picture in my mind now of all those dahlias down the middle of the table in the ruined um, venue that used to, that also houses the opera. That must have been all those clashing colours and mm. textures. And wow, that must have been amazing. Um, yeah, so the Spaniards apparently originally reported finding dahlia plants growing in Mexico in 1525. But the earliest known description is by Francisco Hernandez, um, who was a naturalist and a court physician to King Philip II of Spain. And he was ordered to visit Mexico in 1570 to study the products of that country. He found out that dahlias were used as a source of food by the indigenous peoples in Mexico and were both gathered in the wild and cultivated. The Aztecs apparently used to use them to treat epilepsy. That's a bit of a thing. And they used the long, hollow stem of the dahlia imperalis for water pipes. I thought that was quite groovy. They are quite tubular, I suppose. Tubular? Tubular. Yeah. <laughs> Is that mm, tubular bells? 
Um, the dahlia was, in fact, declared the national flower of Mexico in 1963. The tubers were grown as a food crop by the Aztecs, but that kind of died out after the Spanish conquests and attempts to introduce the tubers as a food crop in Europe were unsuccessful. Dahlias were introduced into Europe in the late 1780s by various botanists from Mexico. Seeds and plant parts were sent to Madrid and Italy and France, and in the early 1800s into Kew Gardens here in England, and grown there in a greenhouse. A new species was given to Lady Holland while she was travelling in Madrid, and they were then grown in Holland House, which is in Kensington in London. And her husband, Lord Holland, sent her a note when he saw these beautiful dahlias that, um, that she'd been given and grown. And the little note said, The dahlia you bought, our isle, your praises forever shall speak, mid gardens as sweet as your smile, and in colour as bright as your cheek. Isn't that nice? Oh, Lucy, that's lovely. Gosh, there's so much to digest there. Fascinating. Hmm. And they ate them, what, they ate them like a potato because they're tubers, aren't they? Yes, they. I think they. the Aztecs used to actually eat them like a vegetable, like we eat sweet oh. potatoes and potatoes. I suppose another tuber, another another meal. And pipes as well. It's, gosh, I mean, well, we've... I wonder <laughs> if we could use them as straws for our mojitos, Paulie. Um, yes, definitely. <laughs> that would be good, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, it's good. But do you know what? We've uncovered some real mad... Dahlia lovers via our fabulous flowers TV, Instagram, and Facebook pages, and um, I thought it'd be quite nice to hear from them on their on their passion and why it makes their hearts beat faster. Hello, I'm Christina from Instagram's Daily Dahlias. I'm so glad Paulie and Lucy at Fabulous Flowers TV asked me to contribute to their daily podcast. I grow dahlias because I absolutely love their diversity. They range in size from a tiny pom-pom variety of less than five centimetres to huge blooms of up to 30 centimetres more. And they can grow up to two and a half metres in height in one season with hollow stems that were once used as pipes by the Mexicans. This is because they're octopoids, having eight sets of chromosomes where most plants only have two. There are many types of dahlia, but I particularly like the water lily types, such as Charlie Dimmock, which are really beautiful and elegant. Dahlias are fantastic to photograph because they're so three-dimensional and look great at all angles and their colour range is enormous. They portray a different mood in different lights and atmospheric conditions and some even gently close in the evening. I like to experiment at breeding dahlias as well. Last year I crossed the species dahlia cochnea with some single dahlias and it's amazing to see the diversity of just the foliage that's emerging which is different on each plant. It is that enormous variation and sense of wonder that I love about dahlias and that's even before they flowered. Thank you. How lovely to hear from Christina. She's a fabulous Flowers TV follower and she's dedicated to her dahlias. And um, I think she sort of waxes quite lyrically about her chosen bloom. Don't you think, Lucy? Absolutely. She is amazing. And if anybody would like to check out her Instagram feed, there are the most incredible 
incredible photos. She is very, very good at taking those. And that's worth a look. So if you fancy following Christina, go ahead. She's on Instagram at Daily Dahlias, all one word. I'll be, I'll be taking a little look at her dahlias, definitely. Now, just before we finish our dahlia extravaganza, Lucy, um, can I just pop in a few garden style dahlia tips for you all at this juncture? Please, 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 please. Um, I would very much enjoy that. Thank you so much. Um, when planting your dahlias, uh, it's probably better not to do anything with them until late February or March. And come stored in paper or plastic bags with sawdust or dried compost. Love that. Sawdust sounds lovely, doesn't it? Very old fashioned. Mm. They're dormant, so you don't need to worry about dealing with them until conditions are just right for you. Just keep them in a cool place and they'll be fine. And I think the later you plant them, the later they'll come up. So you'll have them going into the season. But um, dahlias with single unfussy petal structures will be more attractive to insects because the nectar and pollen are easy to access. It's good, isn't it? Like that. Yeah. Um, and for attracting pollinators like bees and hoverflies, then do choose the single simple structure ones so they can get mm. in there. Get yes. In there. Get in there and fill their boots. That's it. Get in there. Um, insects you don't want near your dahlias are earwigs as they eat the petals and make the flower look... Mm, quite unattractive. Um, if you create an earwig friendly place nearby with an upturned flower pot full of straw, then the earwigs will most likely migrate to that instead of munching on your dahlias. But don't forget to check and empty the earwigs out. <laughs> oh dear, earwig hotel, yeah, that sounds oh, like. I know, it's making me feel a bit uncomfortable. Ew. Earwig hotel. <laughs> Dahlia tubers are widely available from all kinds of stores and online. The advantage of buying in a garden centre or shop is that they are often in see-through breathable plastic bags so you can look at the tuber and check that it isn't damaged or sort of going rotten. Not all tubers will be the same size. Paying a bit extra for a large healthy tuber may pay dividends for a stronger and healthier plant. Dahlias require some really lovely fertile well-drained soil and mm. uh, they're quite greedy so a good dose of plant feed, um, something lovely like some seaweed would be good, seaweed feed. Um, stake them because the blooms are quite heavy and watch out for Lou's favourite, the slugs and snails. Um, yuck, 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 yuck. Because <laughs> they'll be munching on your new shoots. Um, get some slug pellets around them and um, they always creep out at night. So that if you want to be sort of, if you want to sort of save them or, or not murder them, so be the, uh, well, yeah. um, slug friendly. Exactly. Go out after the rain or in the evening, pick them up and then fling them in your neighbour's garden. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes, I'll do that. Um, great. Well, that's very interesting. Thank you very much. I think all those daily tips are rather fab poorly and will be very useful. Now, moving swiftly on to floriography fun facts. A little bit of research this week, Paulie, for us both was on nasturtiums. Yes, Lucy. Uh, they are such fun. They're the sort of thing you grow when you're little, aren't they? They're, they're bright and yeah. vibrant. And they're gorgeous little plants and they are a summer friend, I would say. Definitely, mm. definitely. And in the Victorian language of flowers, the nasturtium flower represents patriotism, which I like. I like a bit mm. of patriotism. We're not sure why, but the flower has some strong ties to combat and war. Perhaps because of its shocking colour of orange and red, or maybe because the shape of the foliage, it sort of resembles the appearance of a shield. Both the leaves and petals on the nasturtium plant are packed with nutrition, containing high levels of vitamin C. So um, it has the ability to improve the immune system, tackling sore throats, 
coughs and colds, as well as bacterial and fungal infections. Wow. Gosh, it's quite, it's a real little powerhouse, this one, isn't it? Yes. Flowers are a great source of vitamin C um, and iron and are one of the most recognisable edible plants and have a super peppery taste. The seeds and leaves are also edible and the seeds can be used as an alternative to capers, crazy capers. Love that. Mm. And the seeds were used as a substitute for pepper during World War II, who knew? Gosh, well, there's a thing. That's very interesting. Um, the garden nasturtiums we grow today are, in fact, descended from two species, both of which are native to Peru. It's also known as Indian cress, Mexican cress, and indeed Peru cress. At different times in their history, they've been considered a vegetable, as we just heard there from you, Paulie, and also a herb and the flower and even a fruit. The name nasturtium comes from the Latin. You know, Paulie, we love a bit of Latin on Fabulous Flowers TV. We do. It comes from the words nose, which is nas in Latin, and tortum in Latin, which means to twist. And this refers to someone's reaction when they taste the spicy, bittersweet leaves. They wrinkle their nose up. Growing them is super easy, and nasturtium seeds are big. They're a bit like a dried pea in size, so they're very easy to handle and often highly recommended for children to grow them in the garden um, as they can see them and make the hole and plant them, and they grow pretty quick. They also can repel pests when grown near cucumbers or squash or other things like that. The nasturtium leaves and stems form a lovely lush ground cover as well that covers all over the, the, the soil in your garden and stops those naughty weeds from getting a foothold. Do you know what? It's the plant that just keeps on giving. I just really love that. I mean, who knew so many interesting facts about the nasturtiums? I know. I know. I completely agree. Loving the nasturtiums there. Feel like they will be on my list perhaps for this week to purchase a few and sprinkle liberally around the place for a little bit of extra summer delight. And in fact, talking of delights, Paulie, we have had some other amazing photos sent to us on Instagram this week, haven't we? We certainly have. We have we had a wonderful photograph of actually some nasturtiums, so bang on, uh, bang on subject there, from one of my most favourite lovely old clients, the uh, Couturier, Bruce Oldfield. Um, I don't think he's, he's going to like one of your old clients. Would that be one of your um, proud clients? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes, exactly. Mm. Old. Mm. Yes, that's the wrong word. <laughs> Sorry, Bruce. Um, and he's just posted a really super duper picture of them looking very bright and gay in the old fashioned way um, in some green in a lovely green glass container that he would bought from. He picked up from an old Brocanti type market on the mm. outskirts of San Tropez. Glad you asked. Lovely. And um, I just love what he's done. He's just picked them, popped them in this lovely green glass uh, vessel. Um, and if you haven't seen it, do pop over to our Instagram at Fabulous Flowers TV and take a little peek. Yes, gosh, that's a gorgeous photo, actually. And I saw that got quite a lot of likes. Very happy with that one. Um, as always, everybody, your support is, is very, very much appreciated. So please do keep visiting our Instagram, looking at our Facebook, watching all our films on our Fabulous Flowers TV YouTube channel. We do it for you. We love doing it. And we hope you love watching and listening. Gosh, yes, that was a big tag, actually, that um, that Bruce Oldfield. Um, and I bet you've done some amazing flowers for him, Paulie. Do you have any favourites that you've you've used or worked with him? Absolutely. Well, like, he he had a has a very lovely little kind of boutique. Can I call it a boutique in Beecham Place in Knightsbridge? Mm -hmm. And um, many Christmases I'd be decorating that the outside, the outside of it all the way up. Amazing, amazing. Um, and I have been known to do a few fashion shows for him back in the day. 
um, really good fun. Um, and I got to go to some of the fashion shows as well, which is kind of another world. Amazing, amazing. Mm. Um, and after a couple of drinks, I actually nearly got up on the on the catwalk. No, I didn't. I mean, I, I bet you would have been <laughs> fabulous, Paulie. You would have been fabulous. No, I wasn't skinny enough. Anyway, uh, or tall enough, but we'll get <laughs> Uh, but anyway, well, listen, sorry. Yeah, listen, that's all that all sounds rather fabulous, actually. Um yeah, and I guess on that note, uh, we've probably come to the end of this now, Paulie. We've kind of rambled a bit today. Um, I hope that's all right for everybody listening. We've kind of taken longer than we usually do to get over these two lovely big subjects of uh dahlias and nasturtiums. But goodness me, for another week I suppose I must pop off and get my nasturtium seeds to scatter around the place. So until next time, um, it's a lovely goodbye from me. Goodbye. And a lovely goodbye from me too. Bye.